Hello and welcome. It's David and Brent here at the end of 2020, putting a wrap up on the year. And of course, uh, the jokes will be hindsight is 2020 just in a couple of days. But with that, Brent and I were doing some thinking and talking the other day, and we wanted to wrap up with some mental models that really impacted our thinking here in 2020. All of the chaos and uncertainty, we relied heavily on the mental models or the ideas that make us better in the AEI premium, we call that. And we were actually having a hard time sorting these down to the, the top one or two for each of us. So Brent, I'm going to let you go first. And uh, what was one of the mental models that you really relied on or the ideas that make us better that you relied on a lot in 2020 to help navigate? One of the ones that really came to the forefront, one that I've used a lot throughout my life, I guess, is this the, the idea of uh, exponential growth or compounding, however you want to think about it. And that really came to the forefront, you know, of society this year when we started talking about the virus, how rapidly it was growing in the population. You know, what you realize pretty quickly is most people really don't understand compound growth because it has limits. I mean, at, at some level, first people have a hard time understanding the idea of what compound growth is and how powerful it is. Uh, and then they kind of get that. They realize, oh my gosh, you know, if we grow at 10%, you know, we double every seven periods. And so then they start to get their heads around that, but they don't necessarily understand the limits of compound growth either. And we talked about that a lot when the virus was really starting out and we started to see kind of exponential growth or compound growth. I think Elon Musk caught a lot of flack early on in the pandemic because he, he put out a tweet at something basically said at this rate of growth, people on Mars are going to have COVID by the end of the year or something basically saying this is a stupid idea and it's not sustainable to grow at 20% a day. It'll burn itself out. And so he's trying to, I think, tell people, Hey, there are limits to exponential growth. But I think it's a super useful concept to have in your toolbox and to understand and help you understand how rapidly something's growing and how that can get really big really fast. But then also it's important to understand that it can't go on forever. I tell my son he could double his income. His, you know, he has a couple of dollars to his name. He could double that pretty quickly. But if you have the wealth of Warren Buffett, you can't double that in a day or two, right? But, but if you have a few dollars, you can double that pretty easily. So it's always important to think about the rate of growth and the time frame, And that's a really important to keep in mind. The first one I'll share is get there-itis. And I learned, I knew about it, but the name get there-itis is something I stumbled upon this year. And it really comes from aviation a lot. And the idea is you make a plan and the plan is you're going to fly your airplane from Indianapolis to Denver. And, you know, oh, by the way, there's this storm, but it's okay. We checked the plan and we're going to be able to make it in time. So now there's a small window to miss the storm, but we can make it. So now the pilot or the flight crew or the air traffic controllers get hyper-focused on getting the plane off the ground at its given time and into the air and flying at this speed. So it hits this window so it can miss the storm. And when I get there, itis is it's a blind spot in that we get so focused on executing the plan that we made that we miss the big picture. And what happens as we're trying to meet our takeoff time and keep up our speed is the storm has shifted. And now maybe what wasn't a dangerous situation when we made the plan has become a dangerous situation. 
in hindsight, you say, oh man, we should have never done this. But in our planning, we sort of got hyper-focused on the executing day-to-day that we missed the big picture shift. That, my example was, and we wrote a Ideas That Make Us Better article on this. I talked about airplanes, not a lot of us are pilots, but you know, it happens a lot of times with rushing to get home or trying to make it to the grocery store by the time it closes or driving home from the airport at night before the snow comes in. It happens a lot. So we always have to be sort of balancing the tactical steps ahead of us with the big picture strategy. I think 2020 is one of those years where a lot of the, you know, a lot of times we were trying to make some goals and then things shifted. And so when they, ha- we got frustrated because of the shift or the the change in the, the big picture, we got to make sure we recalibrate that and we sort of figure out what the next goal is. So get there, Itis. There's an article on AEI Premium about that to dive in even more. That's a really good thing. I find myself getting caught up in that a lot. So uh, it, it kind of does create these blind spots where you don't adjust to the situation, which is kind of around that idea of the OODA loop, which is another one we wrote about on the website, you know, observe the situation, orient yourself, make a decision and act and trying to kind of run through that process frequently. And sometimes we forget, you know, after we make that decision, we need to kind of observe the environment again and, and maybe reorient and make a different decision or adjust the plan. It can get us in trouble <laughs> a lot if we moving down a path that all of a sudden we don't want to be at. So we executed flawlessly on, on a destination we didn't want to be at. So, right. so Brent, what's the, what's the next one that you have? And I think one that uh, I came across this year was this, this idea of outcome bias or trying to evaluate your decisions on the basis of outcomes only. And I think we do that a lot it's a really bad way to evaluate your decisions. And so the, the obvious example might be in 2020 grain marketing. Uh, a lot of people probably sold grain in the spring or even summer and regret that decision now that prices have rallied so much. And I think we often evaluate that decision based on the outcome that actually happened, but we have to really be careful where we're evaluating our decisions decide, you know, how much of it was the decision was good or bad versus the outcome was good or bad. And we can make good decisions and have bad outcomes and be bad luck, or we could also make bad decisions and have good luck and, and have a good outcome, maybe known as dumb luck. And this is from the, the book, How to Decide by Annie Duke. And I, I've found that to be pretty powerful because I think if we don't take the time to step back and say, okay, what, what did I know when I was making that decision? And did I go through the process of a good decision process when I made that decision? Yes or no. And if you don't focus on that, you're going to flounder around. I think a lot making bad decisions after another and, and just attributing it all to luck either way. And that's not what we want to do. We want to really improve that decision-making process. Hindsight advice can be really powerful, right? And that's part of this, how do you step back and really evaluate the quality of the decision made with the information available when that decision was made? We can always make a better decision, but we got to untangle the right. role of sort of chance. Yeah, and there and it's there's kind of two separate issues there. There's the outcome bias. You know, we get a good outcome, we think, oh, we made a good decision, or we get a bad outcome, we made a bad decision. There's that. And then there's also the hindsight bias, which is this idea that, well, it seems obvious now 
that grain price, I mean, we can weave a really good narrative about, well, we should, the stocks were shrinking and the weather wasn't looking good in South America and we're going to eventually recover from the COVID. I mean, you can kind of weave the story together in hindsight that makes a lot of sense, but you kind of go back to, was that knowable when you made the decision you made and should you alter your process as a result of it? So the one that I'll wrap up on is um, this, and I'm still working on some stuff, but it's a, ideas that make us better that we wrote on. It's, it's called, I'd bet my life on it. And the philosopher Kant, and it's interesting, this was, I think the book was written somewhere around 1780. So this was a long time ago, but he was helping people think through this philosophical approach of how do you weigh information that might be inaccurate or how... How much truth is there? And so he proposed that maybe you make a little bet along the way. And for a whole lot of reasons, this idea of betting has been on our minds here in 2020, the last half of 2020. And betting, the betting markets came up during the election. We were comparing the Ag Forecast yeah. Network with the betting markets, and they were doing some very odd things. And one of the things that Brent and I encouraged AFN users to think about was what is the information it's really telling us? And what are some limits to it? Some of those betting pools have some weird tax things going on. So you would never make a very high or very low probability bet because of the taxes that were going on. It's also interesting that, you know, the bet really captures the people on the margins, right? The people who were thinking it was the least likely to happen, the people thinking it was most likely to happen. Those are the two who clear the market at that given point. But anyway, going back to I bet my life on it, it goes back to this idea of, you know, is something that you're about to say, is it? Would you bet $10 that it's true, $100, $1,000, a million dollars, your entire life on it? Brent and I have joked, maybe that's a feature that Twitter and social media could employ. You know, <laughs> you got to make a bet of how accurate something is before collective society. They deem it inaccurate. You have to pay this amount of money. It might slow down some of the things we share. But it also goes back to the Ag Forecast Network tool, something that Brent and I are always thinking about ways to think about uncertainty. And it's really interesting because... The idea, I'd bet you, in fact, Brent and I were preparing for this, and he's like, well, I bet you I don't have the COVID vaccine by blah, 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 blah. And he bet me a, a soda on it. That's just a way for us very naturally to convey uncertainty. And it's sort of something we learned as a kid at a young age. Of, if a five-year-old bets his whole allowance on something, there's a lot of confidence in that. And that's just one way of expressing uncertainty. It's a powerful one, but we think it falls short. It falls short for a whole lot of reasons. There's moral reasons. There's the logistics of it, as we talked about earlier. But I guess one of the challenges that we've had in 2020 that's going to continue in 2021 is how do you think through uncertainty? How do you challenge your thinking and how do you express your uncertainty? I'd bet on it is one that is a default for a lot of us. But the forecast network, this idea of probabilities of a specific set of events, it's a very powerful tool. So if you already use the forecast network, think about ways you can apply it in your everyday life. If you're unfamiliar with it, take advantage of the trial, get to know that, kind of learn along the way. But that's something that I think about a lot. How do I express uncertainty? How do I think about uncertainty? And how do I move through the uncertainty and not just throw my hands up in the air? A lot of the things in the Ag Forecast Network have been designed to help overcome some of the biases that we we just talked about. For instance, uh, the hindsight bias and uh, the outcome bias. I mean, you're encouraged as you make your forecast to, to write down some comments. So you have a record of 
what you were thinking when you changed your forecast and why. And that that's an effort to help you really overcome some of that hindsight bias so we can go back to those decisions we were making and say, okay, this is what I was thinking when I did this and here's why. Now, maybe it turns out you were wrong and you would have liked to have more information or all these other things, but that way we can actually go forward and build, improve our decision-making process and get better at it. The other thing, you know, we give feedback on those forecasts. So you, you have a score or, or way to kind of evaluate how well you did relative to other people. I think take advantage of some of that. And of course, then the other big benefit of AI premium is, you know, the all the information that we provide around those questions. So we write a lot in the site and we're giving you information about, you know, ideas about how to make better decisions as well as, you know, an assessment of the things that we think are important. So David's going to be posting some questions on yields, trend yields pretty soon. And we'll have a lot of analysis looking at trend yields and how those are calculated and, you know, what we might expect for 2021. So there's just a lot of, I think, useful stuff in the site that can help you, you know, improve your decision-making, improve your thinking. In a lot of it, for us is thinking about the issues that are going to be issues ahead of time. So that way we're sort of going into it with some some thought built into it. So it's, we're a long ways away from Harvest 2021, but we know there's going to be a conversation about yield. And so we're going to start by having a conversation. And one of the first things that comes up is we have above trend yields about 60% of the time with corn. Okay. That's sort of the baseline. And part of this is we got to be sort of proactive as we go through the year and the information we seek out. Otherwise we're just sort of reacting to every piece of information that's breaking news or sensational, or it's been sort of right. twisted in some way to capture a response. And so a lot of this is helping you, the decision maker, cut through the noise, cut through the chaos and sort of zero in on what are some key themes I need to keep my eye on and how can I process new information in a way that's uh, less reactionary, I guess, less responsive and it's more sort of planned. And, and if this, then that, and that's sort of the goal here, but thank you all for joining us. It's been a fun year, Brent. We've been making these weekly videos for a year now. So that's kind of been fun. AEI premium has been publicly available for a while. I think we launched that back in May. And the final thing, if you really enjoyed this, make sure you check out the podcast we launched and wrap, we've wrapped up all the new episodes, but Escaping 1980, a look back, uh, probably the most important decade in U.S. agricultural history and how it still impacts us today. A lot of conversation about hindsight bias and outcome bias and you know how do you think about information? How do you make decisions with uncertainty? We wove that into the narrative of that crisis. I think that product is something we're very, very proud of. And uh, I think think a lot of things can be learned by listening to Escaping 1980. And we learned a lot. I learned a lot putting it together myself. So uh, check that out if you haven't. I think you'll find that pretty compelling. A lot of fun to work with Sarah Mock on that. She uh, took it to a whole new level for us. So it's always great to have the AEI team. Special thanks to all of them who have helped this this year really take everything to another level and, and help everyone, the listeners and all the users, think more critically. So with that, we're going to wrap up for the year and we'll catch you all back next year. Mm-hmm.